Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Needs, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. Thank you. How are you this evening? Oh, I am enjoying another beautiful day in the Catskills. Oh, love that. Yes, we finally are starting to get some autumn color. Mm. 
few red trees just just today. Oh wow, you're I'm surprised. We're way ahead of you. I know. We've been tapping our feet and going, Well, maybe we don't get any this year. Maybe the leaves are just gonna fall off the trees and not put on the show for us. <laughs> wow. It's been an interesting year. The order of the leaves changing here seems different this year. And, like, um, the flowers that bloomed, like the goldenrod and the bone set, they had a super short blooming window, whereas, like, everything else just kept going and going and going. And then when it got to be the finale, it was like you, if you wanted to participate, hope you were enjoying early because they were gone to seed so fast. Wow, interesting. Although there was a lot of rain here, as you say, most of the blooming times seemed to be very extended, but that was true for all of them. We actually still have asters and goldenrod blooming with pollinators visiting. The vitex is still blooming. The collagen is still blooming. My, wow. my, tom- my, tomatoes, my tomatoes are still blooming. Oh, Silly girl. wow. <laughs> They get, we we have a, a blight here, a summer blight that hits the tomatoes, and it kills some of the tomatoes, and some of them, like, blight, but then they just kind of grow through it. Ooh, nice. So there's a section a, where there's oh. brown, dead leaves, and then there's, like, up above, it's green and it's flowers, and it makes fruit. Love that. Hey, if it doesn't yeah. Play, <laughs> and we ate a delicious uh, compost squash. It kind of looked mm. like a pumpkin. Um, the flesh was a little more like spaghetti squash, but the taste was probably more like acorn. Interesting. It did its own thing. Yeah, a very interesting kind of, uh, oh, I'm everything squash. I like the ones that have the really, you know, thick, rich, dark orange insides. Mm -hmm. The turban squashes. Yeah, those are good. They keep really well, Mm -hmm. too. Mm. Yes, I am with you on that. Spaghetti squash is not my favorite. I just, I try, Uh, but it's not my favorite. It's kind of watery. (laughs) It doesn't satisfy the way real spaghetti does. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, so let's see. We have the barn filled with hay. Mm. We would like to make one more run and fill a shed with hay, too, just in case, you know. Um, and we have, we started stacking firewood. We have the first cord of firewood stacked and enough room to get a cord delivered into that spot. Hee-hee-ho-ho. So, we are um, feeling like we are preparing well. We can occasionally, there has been heavy enough snow in November to really, like, shut down pretty much any further outdoor activities. Mm, Right, right. Right. So, really getting, having our eye on that mark 
uh, have mm-hmm, Halloween, ooh, Day of the Dead, if you're not aware and ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely yeah. feeling that as well. And I feel you on having the second store of hay ready just in case we're I'm also looking around for that right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what else is happening at your place that you want to share? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I see there's only one hand, so I'll share a little bit of a minor tragic story that happened today. I'm still, like, in the boo-hoo mode. We had, I had incubated some little chicks, and um, because the rooster, who I really liked, he was a silky rooster, he died. And so I still had some of the eggs that had been laid while he was around. And I incubated, um, I think there were like seven of them, <clears throat> and three hatched. And all was going so well. One hatched that wasn't a silky as well, but three of the silky hatched. And, um, and they're all super lovely. And then all was going so well. And my beautiful, wonderful, super sweet cat, Starroot, managed to push open the magnetic doors that kind of catch. And he, I didn't cover their enclosure well, and he went in and delighted himself on one of the little baby silkies. So that was my act today. I'll just say I'm a little bit kind of like wound up from that, just like It's one of those places where it's really difficult to be a human being because it's hard as a human being to blame the cat. Exactly. Exactly. I was like, exactly. It's like, oh, it's it's on me. I mean, I could have put something on top of the screen so you couldn't have taken that off and you know, on and on. It was on me. And so then, you know, I go through the, why didn't I? How come? And it's like, oh, forget all that. Blessed be. I've heard Susan talk about it enough and I know well enough. So I've moved on. I've just blessed the little bird. And apparently there's like folklore around them that they're, they're very like special in Asia for health and longevity because their bones are black. So, um, they're black. Mm-hmm. They're that very special. Very special. Yeah. So I think Charlie's so, got a and little the cat, and, and, and may I also say, oh, the cat only ate one? Blessed be. I came in. Blessed be, right? Well, he wanted more. Let me tell you, he has an appetite. I'm for sure he did. So blessed be, I came in, I had told myself three more wheelbarrows of stall clearing, and then you could take a break. So I did my three. That, I think, gave enough time for one of the three silkies to be devoured and delighted. I came in and saw it was all over his face. You know that saying, the cat that ate the canary? Like, I know. Oh, yes. Oh, (laughs) my. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And how wonderful that your guidance brought you there before any further ones. Blessed be. Yes, yes, yes. So, And now my awareness is extra attuned to just be certain that I'm doing all that is knowingly in my awareness to keep them safe until their transition to the barn when then 
the their mama Sophie will take over. But anyways, yes. Um, thank goodness. Uh, uh, the difficulty, of course, with the difficulty with gardening, with homesteading, with keeping animals, is that you, in general, can learn, but you can't ever learn specifically. Like if you say, okay, well now I learned to do that. Sure, and then you do that, and then the next predator will find a different way. Uh, it's so true. It's like, yeah, it's, it's definitely not like, okay, once I've learned it, it won't happen again. There's always one upping. That's what I tell my husband. I'm like, you know, that's kind of like how it works. It's like if you're in second grade, you don't get to stay there forever. It's like you're expected, okay, now you got tougher riddles. It's not just like, oh, I've got this lick. It's not going to happen again. No, the, uh, the no. universe makes sure. Growth continues. Right. Okay, you solved house cat. Now, how are you going to do on take your pick? Mm. (laughs) You remember my story of giving up on the chickens, repairing the roof of their coop, while the raccoon sat in the tree over me, throwing chicken bones and feathers at me as they ate my chickens. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Right, I'm like stark naked, 2 a.m. in the morning, on the ladder, repairing the roof that the raccoons gnawed through. And they're just up there laughing at me. I said, you got your last laugh, gag. I'm not doing this anymore. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it is not an easy life being a chicken. Between the predators and then, like, the silly human stuff and then just the oops stuff that happens in life. Yeah, I mean, just getting out of the egg is hard. I'll tell you, I got to watch because I, I incubated them, and it was not an easy feat. One of them didn't even make it out of the egg, and I was reading all about it, like how long should it take, and it said don't help because you can make it worse than better, and it was sad because I could see it blinking at me, and I was just like, gosh, this sucks, but it didn't make it. So that was actually the first one to go, but it, just getting out of the egg is tough. Just getting out of the egg is Tough. It's traumatic. It Getting is. here in a form is trauma. And that's what uh, I don't th- And then we learn how to uh, create ourselves from our reactions to mm. that. Right? That's what yeah. after is, after the trauma. We're all after the trauma, whether it's the trauma of birth or the trauma of life. Yeah, it's so true. It's so beautiful how there's opportunities to see that in something as beautiful as incubating eggs because so many of them didn't do anything. Nothing happened. So then other ones that something did happen, the one that tried to get out and couldn't was just so profound to me because of all of them, I, I saw three of the four others, and that one that didn't make it out was the only one of the ones I saw, the three I saw, whose eyeball was the first thing to appear through the <gasps> egg. And it was almost like it saw, and it was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and oh, my just, gosh. Like, yeah, it was, <laughs> so, it was so interesting. Anyway, this has been fun, like, just, you know, sharing the energy of it. So thanks for hearing it and telling me, like, things that, yeah, I, I yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, oh. that's I what I say is, we're all dealing with post-traumatic stress, but not disorder. Oh, yeah. So 3Ds I've come up with, post-traumatic stress discovery. And I know I didn't make that up. I know I read that somewhere, but I can't 
go back to the source. I haven't been able to find it. So if anybody knows more about who made up post-traumatic stress discovery, I would love to credit them. And then there's also post-traumatic stress declaration. Mm-hmm. When you suffered a trauma, you need to tell a story. Mm. You need to be actively heard. It's a very important part of being able to be whole. Mm. And that being whole means that we incorporate the trauma. We don't push away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's one of the gripes I have when people say, well, I learned that. Uh, and my sense is, oh, no, what you're saying is that you, that you learn to shut a door, and that's not learning. Mm. Mm. So true. Right. Can can we declare it? We've all read stories or known people or situations or even in our own lives in which it isn't until we are finally able to speak about what happened that we can really begin to be whole again. Oh, that is so true. Yeah. And yeah, to be witness when someone just silences themselves, it's almost like, yeah, you can see it in their body language, not, even yeah. if it's not all the time. Just sometimes, you know, if that subject comes up, like, it's interesting, yeah, how we can just choose to self-silence and suffer rather than allow it ourselves to be heard. There is just so much freedom when we allow that. And I think it, it, it helps others too, because yeah, it could foster an attitude that we're supposed to be stoic and just carry it. And, you know, if necessary, shut the door and don't do that again. That is not life. That is, I don't know. I, I'm too curious for that. So I appreciate um, the hard stuff too, or the trauma too. There's there's always so much wisdom that comes through in that space. So today was a, a you know somewhat minor trauma. It was more of a surprise than like anything else. But a traumatic afternoon nonetheless. And you know I was thinking already fast forwarding like the litter box will be fun. Maybe then I'll finally see evidence of this other than the smile on his face. So a, here we go. No bones left. None of the black bones. Not anything. On his face, there was the tiniest, oh my gosh. tiniest little feather. Um, oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> yeah. He's a heck of a mouser, too, because he can he can oh. get access to the And he brings in mice from the garage like none of our other cats. So, Wow. He, okay. Um, that handed to him. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what he's doing out there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you're, when you're talking about, you know, how life really just always hands you the next thing. At my little free library, I saw Untamed by Glennon Doyle, author of the number one New York Times bestseller, Love Warrior. And it's, uh, it, Untamed will liberate women emotionally, spiritually, and... Psychically. Wow. Glennon was born to write this book this way at this moment. It is phenomenal. I said, I'm taking this home and reading it. 
and it's little vignettes from her life. And as I read, she has previous books and was a very well-known author because she had, you know, the perfect Christian marriage with the perfect Christian husband and the perfect Christian children in the perfect Christian house. And then she found that he was cheating on her mm. all the time and over again. And she made it work, love warrior. She made it work. What she didn't admit to was the way she made it work was alcohol and drugs. Mm. And so she's a renowned fetid on Oprah Winfrey, author of this, you know, Christian marriage that she's the warrior of and got together and she falls in love with a woman. Oh, my. Not, oh, that would be interesting, but I have to spend the rest of my life with this person. Kind of love. You just never know what the next card life is going to turn up for you. I love it. Hence the name Untamed of what you of what you uh, Hence up. the name Untamed. Uh, she starts with an anecdote about a, a cheetah that's in captivity that's been trained to chase this stuffed pink rabbit. Wow. Oh, my. That's crazy. That she, needless to say, draws the parallel in her life. Right, right, right. I wonder if anybody has that on their headstone. That just seems like such a fun headstone, untamed. <laughs> untamed. Okay, so we have had a good chat. Oh, and I just wanted to say my third D is post-traumatic stress. Delight. Mm. It's important part of healing from trauma to... Not just experience gratitude, but to really find delight, joy. I'm so glad to see that the Dalai Lama seems to be devoting the rest of his life to promulgating joy. Mm. You've probably heard me say that the best revenge is to have a really good time. Mm-hmm. I love that. Great, great. So post-traumatic stress discovery, post-traumatic stress declaration, and post-traumatic stress delight after. And we have a wonderful guest tonight. who is a psychic. Where on earth did I put that? Come on, Susan. Did you hide it on yourself? Ah, there's the information I need. Good Ola. All right. And at 9 o'clock, we're going to be talking with Barbara Bandell at 7. She decided to embrace 
her sixth sense and use her gift to help people. In her book, My Most Memorable Psychic Readings and Personal Stories, well, you'll have to show up at 9 o'clock to find out about that and how you might even get a reading from Barbara Bandel. That's 9 o'clock East Coast time. Stay with us or come on back to hear from her. And I think we have at least one hand up. We do. We've got a hand up, and I'll let everyone know um, if you've got a question and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press 1. That will get your hand raised in the queue. And after you've pressed 1 and we see your hand, I'll announce your area code when it is your turn to be live. So first we'll go to our hand that is up in the 202 area code. In the 202, you are live with Susan. Um, hi, I'm in 202. Uh, my hi, name is Cynthia. Hi, must be you. Hi, yeah, it must be me. I was recently diagnosed with um, uterine cancer, an aggressive form of uterine cancer, and I just had a hysterectomy with my tubes and ovaries and all of that removed, and I'm doing really well in the recovering from that. Um, but I'm going to be starting chemotherapy in uh, a few weeks, and I really wondered... I really wanted to hear any any thoughts, any advice that you may have for me going through um, this process. Have you chosen which chemotherapeutic agents you're using? The um, you the, have a choice. Okay. You don't have to do exactly. What they say. The people I know who have gotten through it the best sat down with their doctors and said, I want to know which agents can be used. And these are things I'm not willing to give up. So one of these was an artist, and he said, I'm not willing to give up fine motor control. And they said, well, usually we would use this chemotherapeutic agent, but it would leave you with a tremor, so we can't use that. Interesting. There's not just one chemotherapeutic agent, and there's not just one protocol, because every person and every cancer is different. So when you say it's aggressive, um, is it has it been staged? It's staged at um, stage three, um, C one. Okay, so that means that it has progressed beyond the site where it started. So it's beyond your uterus and. In what other tissue was it found? They they found it in, they took out about 15 lymph nodes, and they found it in one. Okay, and so that makes it the three, because it's in right. one lymph node. Have you been consuming mushrooms? Yes, I have been. I've been consuming lion's mane, real mushrooms. I don't think lion's mane is going to do much of anything. Oh, okay. 
So you're, what? Who, are you, who are you getting from the mushrooms from? Real mushrooms? Real mushrooms. Five defenders is what you want. Five defenders? The five defenders, exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, mushrooms, unlike herbs, work synergistically. So if you have mushroom A and it does five, and then you have mushroom B and it does six, together they do 20. Oh, wow. Right, and lion's mane is not particularly effective against tumors in any way. Lion's mane, excellent for um, improving memory, cognitive function, certainly nothing wrong with it, but it's what you want is to create a situation in, in which this is not as serious a situation as they want it to be. Okay. So the fact that it was in one lymph node, and only one out of all of those lymph nodes, says to me that it's not as aggressive as they're telling you. Having cancer in a lymph node basically means your immune system is taking notice. And especially that and there's no further spread, right? There's no metastasis no. anywhere. No. So, you know, my uh, oncologist looked at me after my totally successful surgery, clear margins, no spread anywhere, not even a lymph node touching the lymph node that had the cancer in it. And she said, we'd like you to come back every six months for scans. And I said, why? She says, because cancer treatment causes cancer. Cancer treatment causes cancer. Yes. Ay, ay, ay. I don't think that you necessarily want to do chemotherapy right now. You might. But as far as I can tell, you are cancer-free. That you keep that's, yourself that's, cancer that's free. Right. That's right. You are cancer free right now. And you are going to take active steps to keep yourself cancer free, aren't you? Yes, I am. But they don't count on that, do they? They would rather treat you with a treatment that will harm you and promote further cancer and then have you come back for repeated tests to find the cancer they caused. I see what you mean. What is at stake here really is one's ability to believe in yourself. Most of us have been trained to believe in others, especially mommy, daddy, doctor, God. 
And if our life is threatened, we especially need to believe in Mommy, Daddy, Dr. God. And there's a time when you can stand up and say, thank you, Mommy, thank you, Daddy, thank you, Doctor, thank you, God, I'm on my own now. I got it. I know you're there to help me if I need you. But you're not going to tell me what to do anymore. What would you suggest? I would suggest that you create a very clear image of yourself as a cancer-free individual. And you see yourself living a brilliant life five years from now, ten years from now, and 25 years from now. And keep on extending it out if you want to. But have an active vision of who you're going to be at those times. And if you need to make a shorter goal, if you say, I'm, I'm going to envision myself as a cancer-free person in three months, then make that shorter goal. So I said to my doctor, I said, I don't need to come for scans. I said, I take care of myself. I will know if something is wrong. I will stay in touch. And that's what you've done? That's what I've done. I did the radiation. It didn't get rid of my cancer. It has injured me in huge physical ways. Because of the radiation, I have an indolent wound, which is a wound that will not heal. People always remark on it, you know, because I work on a farm. They see me get scratched, and in like 36 hours, it's gone. I have a wound that's been there for three and a half years. Mm. Mm. Right? And it didn't get rid of the cancer. Or as they put it, you failed your treatment. And I say, no, the treatment failed me. So I did not do their chemotherapy. I did mistletoe. I do live in a place where there was a trained MD who does mistletoe therapy, which involves a two-year commitment of injecting yourself in the belly nightly with mistletoe and going once a month for an IV extract and staying in touch with the person who's providing this for you Really in touch, you know. I said to her, I said, you're going to think I'm really silly, but I want to tell you that it's like getting harder and harder to get the needle into my belly. I said, I like, you put a new needle in and I push it, and it's like my flesh deforms. It's like going down, down, down on the needle, not breaking through. She said, I'm so glad you told me that. You need mistletoe from a different tree. Your body is rejecting that. Did, did you do the treatment that you're talking about, the two-year commitment? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, actually, my body opted out before the two years was up. Um, and we could both see that very, very clearly. After the surgery, I said to her, you know, my belly has been cut open, and I'm not going to be injecting myself in the belly anymore, but I'll come here every month for my IV. 
And the first month I went, she could hardly get the needle in me, and we both kind of looked at each other. And the second time, she really, it took her like 20 minutes before she could get it in. And as soon as she took it out, we looked down, and I was breaking out hives all over, and we just laughed and said, this is done. So that was not right for you? It was, it was, it was clear that my body was saying, no, do not do this anymore. So I made a commitment, and I kept the commitment in so far as it was reasonable to keep it. And with that strong a reaction, it was very clear to us that it would be foolish Mm -hmm. to push. I drink a quart of nourishing herbal infusion every day. I eat a broad diet as broad as it can be, of whenever I can, locally sourced, organically raised animals and vegetables and fruits. I consume green tea daily, and since I'm always over the top for me, that's matcha. And I actually make myself up a, a quart of matcha and then have a couple of ounces of that a day, so I don't have to make it every day. And it goes in with my morning's nourishing herbal infusion. And I know that I am a healthy person who was chosen by cancer, and that cancer is a worthy opponent And that my best bet is to be strong, not to cower. What what do you feel like cancer chose you for? There doesn't have to be a reason for things. Mm. I certainly... One of the benefits for me has been my understanding of what I'm teaching people has really been deepened. Because there was part of me that thought, well, you know, it's probably true that people who are already in fairly good health, you know, really benefit those who are really like you know just like have nothing yeah, maybe it wouldn't wouldn't be enough for them and they took me down to nothing they turned me into the hospital at 119 pounds and I've seen nourishing herbal infusions and a broad diet of well-cooked food restore me Anybody who tells you that because you've had cancer you shouldn't eat meat or dairy products is setting you up for another round. Well, I'm listening carefully to everything you're saying. In fact, I found that especially in my recovery period, 
that my need for meat was enormous. I have not eaten meat, eaten meat in 45 years. Um, is that something that, that you feel like I need to do at this point? Yes. Again, locally sourced whenever you can, organically pasture-raised, right? This is not a hamburger to have a good time in the backyard. This is medicine. It would be expensive. And what I see is that wheat is a plant-based food. Wheat? Wheat, did you say? Meat. 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 Meat is a plant-based food. What are, what is the meat made of? Right. Plants. So make sure that the plants that your meat is made of are good plants. I tell, to me, the kind of funny story. Um about a man who wanted to prove something, and he wanted to prove that you could fast for 30 days without dying. And so he did this in a very public way. And the doctors who were attending him at like about day 25 said, you know, your body signs are really bad. You maybe are going to die. You should eat. He said, no, 30 days, you know. And so he did. He did the 30 days. And to break his 30-day fast, he went out and ate three pounds of red meat. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) He says, this is what I need to revive myself from this long fast. And, of course, there was nothing but pasture-raised meat at that point, right? This was 120 years ago. If you do decide to do the chemotherapy, and I understand, to stand up and say to the doctors, thank you so much for what you've done, and I'm just going to wait a while on this next proposal, um, it's a hard thing. It's a very hard thing, and you may not choose to do it. I have a book, Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, and there are some suggestions um, for helping yourself as you're going through chemotherapy. Also, my book, Breast Cancer, question mark, Breast Health, The Wise Woman Way, has an entire chapter on chemotherapy. Okay. And how to write in Section 2 for women dancing with cancer and we're looking at all of the things okay let's go back here where is it choosing da 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 so there's um why don't you look in the table of contents Susan that would be a brilliant idea my dear all right here we go choosing chemotherapy page 225 wasn't that easy Right. Chemotherapy option chart. Right. Did your diagnosis indicate possible metastasis? 
Um, what it, what it, the, the diagnosis, like I said, it, it is a rare form of yeah. uterine cancer. And yeah. um, so, that it, that so that's it, usually the first first question that's asked at three. Then that's an indication of possible metastasis. At two, it that's, isn't. That's right. That's why I'm saying they're pushing it to call it three, right? Right, and you know, well, so also, there's an, there's an anti-cancer lifestyle in that book, and for about seventy-five percent of women, and again. This is a rare thing. So really, we can't even give you any statistics. Chemotherapy does not lengthen their life. They are doing it to cover their butts. So you're at a point now where you're still healthy. I, I am feeling really, really very good, and I'm like I said, I'm healing from the hysterectomy really yes. very quickly. The hysterectomy and, and ovarectomy. And ovarectomy. I told them yes, to leave that. my ovaries. Oh, really? Okay. You betcha. I don't have to give them. I don't have to be castrated. You can take my uterus. You can take my tubes. Go for it. But you leave my ovaries alone, and they did. surgeon gave me a little beforehand and afterwards she said those were the pinkest, healthiest, nicest ovaries I've ever seen. I'm so glad they're still in your body. Hmm. Because ovarian cancer doesn't start in the ovaries, it starts in the tubes. They take your tubes, your ovaries are fine. But, there's one last thing for you to worry about if you decide to say no to chemo. That's That's the silver lining there, right? It's like, okay, well, that makes it that much easier to say, I don't need the chemo. You, you already took everything. Well, what the concern is, is, you know, that there could be little microscopic cells. Um, that's right. And that's why you're going to be drinking nourishing herbal infusions, green tea, and eating a well-cooked diet. Hmm? Because those possible cancer cells are present in everyone's body. But everyone is not having chemotherapy. At this point, we don't know. All I'm saying is it's a guess. It's a guess as to whether or not the chemotherapy will help you or hurt you, and it's a guess that is hurt you for about 75% of women. So I talk about protecting your liver. I talk about protecting your bone marrow. I talk about protecting your white blood cells. I talk about how to deal with nausea, vomiting, and uh, appetite loss. Um my friend who doesn't have a tremor and is still able to create his very finely detailed uh, art did give up his ability to taste food. Because of? The chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. He can't taste food? No. 
Right, and the one they usually use just gives, leaves you with the tremor, but you can still taste. But he wasn't willing to accept that. We are hiring these people. They're not in charge of us. We're paying them. I told them, you're not working in a Ford. You're working in a Mercedes. You treat it like a Mercedes. I treat it like a Mercedes. I said that to every one of the surgical teams. There were four different surgical teams that worked on me. And on our pre-surgery interviews, I was very clear with them how they were to treat me. They don't know more about you than you do. Cancer is not my field, and that is a you know a hard one for me. It's you are your that field. I you am are field. your field. They don't know about you. I didn't say anything about cancer. You are cancer-free now. So maybe you need to make an image of yourself as cancer-free for the next five minutes and hold that clearly in your mind. You're cancer-free. You don't need anybody who knows about cancer because you don't have cancer. You're in the same situation that every other human being is, and that is you might maybe could in the future have cancer. But if they did their job as well as they appear to have done it, then you are cancer-free. Treat yourself that way. Be that way. I I, I hear you. Are they telling you that chemotherapy will get rid of all of these cancer cells? Are they telling you the truth, that the chemotherapy will ignite some of them? They've not, definitely not said that. This is what she that, meant when she said, said this gives me cancer the best treatment causes cancer. I'm living in the house of a woman who died from a cancer caused by her cancer treatment. <sighs> These are such hard decisions to make. These are very hard decisions, so don't rely on your brain. Dream on it. Feel into it. When I have a really big decision to make, I set aside some time. If I can, I set aside an entire day to live each choice. I am now living as the person who went through chemotherapy. I am bald. I cannot taste. I have a tremor. Whatever these chemotherapeutic agents are going to do, and find that beforehand so you're not surprised. Envision yourself as that. And then envision yourself as a woman who didn't do chemotherapy and is taking care of herself in a brilliant way every day. And perhaps there are other options that I'm not seeing that you do. Take, if you, can, if you have it, 24 hours to live as that 
person. Most of us have a hard time really knowing how we're going to feel about something until we're in the middle of it. Yeah. Bernie Siegel, the wonderful MD and cancer specialist, never allowed any of his patients to do any kind of cancer treatment until they had dreamt about it or made a drawing about it or written a story about it. I can do that. I, I, I think I'm ready to do that. It's just the last few days that I have been able to even speak about um, my cancer without crying. Well, the tears are tears of grief because it's gone. I see the three minutes is up. Let's do another three minutes. You are cancer-free. Cancer is not a punishment. Cancer is not a disease. Cancer is a challenge. You have stood up to the challenge, and you can stand up stronger. Keep envisioning yourself as a cancer-free person. You can do that, yes? Yes, I can do that. You can do that. And so what I'm hoping you'll do is you'll internalize my voice that over and over in this conversation has said, I will, you, look, okay, I will do that. Now, right now, another three minutes, I'm a cancer-free person. I'm a cancer-free person. Because they have really gotten into your brain that you have cancer. Well, and it, but it's a, a whole new notion for me. I've never thought of myself that way, and I don't really think of me that way. That's part of what's been so hard about kind of accepting it because it feels so um, inconsistent with any sense of me I've ever had. Yes. And that's why I say to you, it is not a sickness or an illness or a punishment. It's the most moving thing that I heard last year and so far this year as well was a Buddhist monk talking about being diagnosed with an illness that is not only incurable but will get worse as it goes along. And he said his first thought was, oh my gosh, I must be so spiritually messed up to get this diagnosis. And so I'm really a Buddhist monk, right? And he goes to his, and he looked, you know, he's an American. He looks like he played football in college. He's a big, beefy boy. And you can only see him from the waist up, and you realize about halfway into this, he could be sitting in a wheelchair. And he talks about how he spent two years, you know, trying to make himself well by being perfect, right, changing his mind, whatever he had to do, until he finally realized, ha, 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 I won. This is winning. A terminal diagnosis, that's the jackpot you got cancer lucky you okay I really you got you got chosen to stand up oh because 
I stood up because I was challenged in that way. I can offer you advice. How did you make the decision? I was very blessed to have Elizabeth Kubler-Ross as a mentor. When I was still in a very formative time, and she impressed upon all of us that every single one of us has a termination date. And so when a doctor said to me, the first doctor, a woman who looked at me and said, well, you have endometrial cancer, and we're going to take out your uterus, your ovaries, your fallopian tubes, your omentum, and your cervix, and then do chemotherapy and radiation. I said, no, you're not. And she said, you'll die. And I said, that's right. We all have a termination date. You're going to die too. Elizabeth told us that our termination date was stamped in a place we couldn't see it, on the bottom of our left buttock. And that some people were walking around with a tag that said, we'll be dead in three months, right, because we were doing life, death, and transition workshops with people who had terminal diagnoses. She said, but my termination date could be before that person's over there. Just because they have a tag where you can see it doesn't mean they're dying first. So, so really, what are we willing to do out of fear? And how does that change if we say, sure, I'm going to die. So are you. Thank I've you been for the working sur- on that one. Thank you for the surgery. That was excellent. The cancer is now out of my body, and I'm now a cancer-free person, and I will stay in touch. If I need further help from you, I will definitely ask for it. They don't know what they're doing. You want them to know what they're doing, but they don't know what they're doing. This is the real bottom line here. Maybe a hundred years from now, we will have this figured out. My dear friend, Murray, found a lentil-sized lump in her left armpit. It was already in her liver, her lungs, and her bones. They told her she had maybe six months to live. They offered her chemotherapy. She took it. She was dead in 120 days. I miss you, Marie. Your cancer isn't metastatic. It's what's called the sentinel lymph node. The lymph node that says, the immune system is checking this out. 
and that means your immune system is activated. And if you don't destroy your immune system with chemotherapy, it has a lot better chance of fighting off those possible cancer cells than the chemo does, because your immune system knows where they are now, and the chemo doesn't. One oncologist said to me, chemotherapy is rather like waxing the kitchen floor by pouring five gallons of wax in through the door. Well, you sure got me thinking. Um, you sure got me thinking. It never hurts to think. Whatever you choose, you'll get through it because you're a healthy person. I have felt like a healthy person. You are a healthy person. You're a cancer-free healthy person. (laughs) I teased them all when I was in the hospital, laying there with tubes coming out of me and wires going into me, and I said, I'm healthier than all of you, and they said, you are. I said, damn right. You've been so generous to to give me so much of your time, and I hope that a lot of other people have learned from what you're saying, too. Post-traumatic shock declaration. I'd love to tell my story. Thanks for letting me. Keep telling yours. Bye-bye. All right. I'll remind everyone listening, if you have a call, a question, and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press 1, and we will see your hand go up in the queue. I'm not seeing any callers that have raised their hands yet. Um, I do have one email question. Oh, goody. Let's do the email question. All right. Here we go. Hi, Susan. I have a simple question. I made a few elderberry remedies this year and was advised to include as little of the stem as possible. Is this true, that I should not include much of the stem? If so, why? Thanks for taking my question. Not true. Why? Elder Moore lives in the elder tree. Elder Moore is a very fierce being. She does not cotton to people who don't honor her. In England, a big road was being built. And the plans called for cutting down a small grove of elder trees, and the workmen refused. They said, absolutely not. We're not going to do this. Are you kidding? Eldermore will never forgive us if we do that. They had to take the road around where the elders were. And so what happens is this person or that person does not go to the elder with respect, with honor. And so, perhaps strange things happen to them. And then they look for some reason for those strange things, and they usually make it a kind of picky little thing. 
Sarah Ellen, can you imagine taking all the stalks off the elderberries? Oh, wow. It would definitely take a lot longer to do it that way. Come on. <laughs> Those berries what? are very little. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who haven't ever worked with elderberries, the elderberries are small. Think of a dried currant. Most elderberries are not much bigger than that, even big ones. And there's, what would you say, four dozen in one clump? Oh, lots. Lots. It's like several Lots in one clump. And they each have... Um, so imagine a bunch of teeny tiny little grapes and make the stalks that tiny too. So it's not like we have this little berry on a big stalk. It's like the stalk is tiny too. You practically need tweezers if you really wanted to. Or what would happen is you'd squish all the berries and your hands would be gray for weeks. Right. Right. Yeah, the, right. The stalks are thin, little like tendrils. They're they're not they're right. not woody like stem of the tree. Right. Right. It's not like a blueberry that you could take a stalk off, or a strawberry that you could stem. Right. These are little things. So, um, this kind of stuff abounds, and it is kind of scary. Um. But usually we can tell that it's not on the up and up because it seems kind of outlandish. So taking all the stalks off seems a little outlandish. So it probably is. At the Amended Students Zoom meeting, uh, one of the students had harvested some poke root dug it up, washed it, chopped it, made a tincture, no problem. And then she went online, started reading about it, and there's this nurse online who says, poke will take the skin right off your body. You have to wear rubber gloves and long sleeves. And she started panicking and freaking out that she hadn't done that, even though she hadn't done it and she had no reaction. Have you ever dug poke root? Mm, I have a funny poke root story. I, I've only pulled dug an area and pulled up one poke root and um it did not hurt me by touching it at all however i will say that i made a silly mistake because i wore it all afternoon like i used it like as the base for like a wreath for my head and then i put it in my car and the the next what's that the poke leaves no the root root. so it was yeah, and so I drove in the car, and it sat in the hot sun, and I got back in the car, and I will say, I don't know if it was a poke root, but that night, I felt so horrible. I felt horrible, like sensations that I had never felt before, almost just, I don't I'm very sensitive to smells, and I noticed the scent in the car, but... Wow, I just I thought of you actually. I was like, gosh, it's a good thing I don't work with essential oils at all because for me, I really think the scent of the root, but not touching the root. I handle I handle all the plants I work with, and I don't work with poison ivy. I look for her, but I don't handle her. Um, but anything I'm making a remedy with, um, 
even if it is a really um, scented plant like lavender, I love to handle it because I love the transdermal effect. It didn't bother me fresh wearing it on my forehead, like around my temples at all. It wasn't until I sat in the car with it for over an hour in a hot car that I really think I was moved with the aroma. (laughs) It's a little psychoactive. Yeah, it was strange. I wouldn't want to repeat it. It wasn't a fun thing. (laughs) Yeah. Not a bad trip, but not a good trip either. No, I personally have never known anyone who's had a dermal reaction to digging or handling the poke root. But I understand where this nurse might have gotten that idea. Because if you grate fresh poke root and Mm. put it in a poultice, bind it on an Mm. area, it can then cause the skin to break. That is that I have heard for sure. But not handling it, right? In the same way, you know, there are poisonous books that include nettle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And a great many places that say, oh, you can't pick it barehanded, which as we know, well, you can pick it barehanded. And in fact, you will benefit from picking it barehanded. Yeah, even tomatoes. People, I've seen them pick tomatoes for the first time and they freak out. Like, I'm allergic to tomatoes. Look, I'm itchy. It's like, oh, my goodness. It'll go away. But, yes, they can make it a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Goodness. Not a poisonous plant. Not (laughs) a poisonous Yeah. I do see another hand that has come up from the 908 code. Are you ready for another call or do we want to... Let's let's do it. Okay, excellent. Uh, from the nine oh eight, I see your hand and your line is open. You are live with Susan from the nine oh eight. Hi, Susan and Sarah Ellen. It's Carol. Hi. Hi. Oh, I was thinking. Hey, nine oh eight. That's Carol. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I just wanted to review that you said that you made a pesto out of red shiso leaf? Yes. Is that what you said last week? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Flat leaf shiso, not the curly leaf. The curly leaf, I don't like the taste of it very much, but the flat leaf um, is, is much more basally in taste. Oh. Oh, I oh, I might have the curly. Uh huh. The curly has has it. I don't know. It's kind of it has some terpenes in it that are not real pleasant. And I like things like coriander. Yeah. Yeah, but the the curly shiso, um, I have a hard time with. Oh. Okay, and um. You said you made parsley pesto? Yes, you can make pesto with any green that you can chop up. Any green. Okay. Yeah. And walnuts, garlic, and olive oil. Salt, garlic, olive oil, and green. You got it. 
Yes. And do you remember the name of the farm or locate any contact of any sort where you got the 50 pounds of garlic at the garlic festival? Ten pounds. Oh, ten. I thought it was... Well, that would have been a lot of garlic. Fifty pounds. <laughs> um, do you remember any sort of contact um, information? Let's see if it's on the price tag. Here we go. Oh, oh thank you, Susan. Gardens of Earthly Mirth, M-I-R-T-H, M-I-R-T-H, Sarah Brown, S-A-R-A-J-I Brown, S-A-R-A-J-I, B-R-O-W-N Brown at Yahoo. Oh, great. Gardens uh, of okay. That was seconds, you understand. The garlic that I bought. I, I, I understand, yeah. I right, it was, you know, it was, it, heads that had the clove knocked out of them or bruised. Yeah, you know, for somebody who's going to use a lot of garlic and use it fairly soon. And, of course, we planted 50, 50 cloves from it. It was beautiful garlic. They, uh, oh. The picture that uh, that's on the label shows them with a with a horse. They don't have machines on their farm. They work with animals. Oh boy, yeah. Um, uh, so, but did you plant the garlic in your pot? On um, no, not on the deck. No, we planted the garlic out in the daffodil patch. Oh. Oh, so you're combining that space. Garlic daffodils, and daffodils. Daffodils will be up and bloomed before the garlic has done more than poke its nose up. It'll work out together just fine. They're happy together. Oh, oh, that's brilliant, Susan. You're brilliant. Right, and yeah. most of those daffodils are planted four to six inches deep, and the garlic is planted two inches deep. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Um did you did you put anything else up this week? Did you do any uh, cooking or preserving? I always like to hear what you're doing. Well, actually, I saw a grain moth. You know, one of those little brown and white moths fluttering around. Uh-huh. I went, <laughs> and I went to look in all of my stored things to find if there were any grain moths in them. And I found a bag of dried tomatoes from my brother that I could see. Mm-hmm. So I dumped it in. So enough, I put it in a pot with enough water to cover it and kept a close eye on it and brought it up to boil, adding a little more water as needed and um, just made sure that you know it all looked really good, let it cool overnight. And then I ground it up in my blender with garlic, olive oil, and salt for dried tomato pate. Oh, wonderful. Oh, it's great. Oh, good. Michael was saying tonight, you could put this on anything. You could put this on bread. You could put 
he's in eggs. He's in <laughs> as he's slathering it on his fish and his roasted vegetables and his rice. <laughs> it's really so. And I said, how can you go wrong? Olive oil, garlic, salt, and tomato. Oh, of course it's going to be good.
the Oracle of Luna should bring okay. you to it. Let's Oracle see. Oracle of Luna. What happens? O R. E of Luna podcast. Oracle of Luna podcast with Bridget Ingalls. Boop comes right up. Okay. There you go. What a wonderful and uh, yeah. Um, uh, is is are you're still doing the full moon? Or the, not the, what moon Lodge it? doesn't have anything to do with the full moon. That's, that's right. I remember you said that last time. The and moon, yes. Lodge. moon Lodge is a gathering of women, and we sing silly songs, and we dance turkey dances, and we send a talking stick around, and we share. It is a safe, okay. safe, safe and sacred space for women to speak uninterrupted to share whatever they wish to share with no one there to comment on it. Oh. Right? It's you speak alone and no one no one interrupts you, no one says anything about it. I mean when it's their turn to talk, they might turn to you and say that was really moving. I'm so glad you said that when you I'm not saying they can't refer to you. But it's, it's very different than the kind of situation where women often feel perhaps shy to speak because they fear interruption or people's opinion. So this is a space in which the Moon Lodge is a space in which we are safe. And the Moon Lodges are always on the Friday night before my two one-day workshops, the last two workshops of the year are coming up just before Halloween, Halloween, Day of the Dead, the big transition into winter's dark, and those workshops are... Saturday season roots, Sunday adaptogens. Oh, terrific. Yeah. Wonderful. Saturday and Sunday, yes. Yeah. Oh, so Friday night moonlight. And then okay, Saturday class on roots and seeds. And uh I'm hoping there's still be some seeds out there. <laughs> I'm going out there day by day. Saying, Don't drop them all. Don't drop them all. Class is coming. Hang on, some folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you? Do you, you that's not a problem. But those seeds, you know, especially when it gets windy. Yeah. And I was collecting seeds myself today. You know, as having a great time as we're, you know, kind of bringing the last of the plants, either saying, okay, well, you're just going to, you know, spend the winter out here in the shed or under the deck, or uh, maybe we have room for you in the house. And, and uh, of course, the morning glories are turning brown. Still, a couple of morning glories out today, and. So I'm collecting oh, yeah. morning glory seeds, and oh, the calendulas is blooming, blooming, blooming. It's so happy, and I'm uh, taking the ripened calendula seeds, too, so we'll have those 
for next year, so it's fun um, to wander among the last of the beauty of the outdoor gardens and begin to bring them inside. What What are you doing these days, Carol? Oh, um, I'm, I, I took my 91-year-old brother and my 85-year-old sister, um, who are still very active with the veterans. I took them to the Vietnam Veterans Museum in Elmira, New York, which is one hour away from my hometown, which is Oligo. And they talked nonstop for three hours with three or four veterans who enlightened us a lot on a lot going on. And one thing that impressed me was they had a big um, uh, display uh, for the nurses that were in Vietnam. And I think they're unsung heroines because nobody ever talks about the nurses. So I, I thought that was very interesting. And so I'm making memories with my brother and sister while we're all here together. That is so special, Carol. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it really, really was. And then on the other end, I spend a lot of time with my 8-year-old and 13-year-old grandchildren that are in Montclair, New Jersey, and I want to be with them because the 8-year-old Desmond is the last baby, you know. There won't be any more... Well, he's not a baby, but there won't be any more little ones until the granddaughters have their babies, and that'll be a long time. So, those are such those are such delightful ages to spend time. It's as though when it's as though when we're with an eight-year-old, we get to be eight again. Yeah. Oh, they're so cute. Yeah. Maybe, it, maybe it's not that teenagers don't want to be with the adults, but the adults just can't bear to be with the teenagers because, you know, really, if if somebody offered you money to be 15 again, would you do it? Uh, I wouldn't mind being 15. And, well, and no very, very difficult to hear for most of us. <laughs> yeah, but. I want to know what I know now and be (laughs) fair. That's a good one, Carol. (laughs) I like the way you think. (laughs) Yeah, I think out of the box like you. Woohoo! Yahoo! Woohoo! Thank you for Mm. divine inspiration, Susan. I love you. I love you too, Carol. Thanks for your call. Okay. Green blessings. Okay. Bye-bye. Green blessings. Bye. All right. And it looks like we've only got two minutes before our guest is scheduled, but I do see that she's already here in the queue. Um, Why don't we just go ahead and go? All right. Excellent. All right. And we welcome Barbara Vandell at the age of seven. Barbara was shocked to learn that Not everyone saw, felt, and heard things the way she did. She decided to embrace her sixth sense and use her gift to help people. The cooperation with her spirit guides is based on mutual trust, 
love, and respect. In her book, My Most Memorable Psychic Readings and Personal Stories, plus exercises and meditations to expand and deepen your awareness, Barbara shares her most memorable psychic medium readings, challenging ones, personal stories, and unexplainable events. Her guides share their knowledge, exercises, and meditations to help you expand and deepen your awareness. They explain the essence of why you're here on earth and how to build deeper contact with your soul group, your higher self, your future self, and your oversoul. I don't know if you got to, to hear me on the, one of the earlier consultations, Barbara, but I was just trying very hard to help this woman create a future self. And Barbara gives readings worldwide. I'm so excited that you're with us tonight, Barbara. Welcome. Uh, let's see. Her line is open. I'm not. Let's see. Let me try to reopen her line. I She's using a computer to call in. Uh, Barbara, your line is open, and you are mm. live. For your... Can you hear me now? Yes, we can, yes. Barbara. Oh, Welcome. Okay. I, I muted myself. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't my intention, but uh, thank you, Susan, for inviting me. And um, I said when I was muted that I could listen to you for hours. I, I really can. So I love so, hearing everything you said. Thank you, Barbara. And now let's listen to you. You had a terrifying childhood incident that alerted you to your psychic abilities? Yes, I did. Um, I, I was seven. Um, I was walking with my friends from uh, school to home. And um, a man, <clears throat> he tried to lure us in his car. So our, our parents called the police, and the next day we had to go to the police station and ex- tell uh, the police how the guy looked, etc. And then I had to look at several photos. But what I didn't know at the time was that when I concentrate and focus, I get all sorts of information about someone so I felt the energy of these men and, and the photos of the men, they were all child molesters, pedophiles. And I didn't know people like that existed. I was happy-go-lucky. So I got terrified and um, I was so confused. I saw by one guy, I saw where he lived and I didn't know how I knew. So that was a very scary situation for me. How did you deal with that? Um, well, I decided not to tell anyone because I thought I was crazy. And I, I had nightmares and panic attacks uh, at night. Um, but I got over it by another psychic experience months later in an elderly home where we, uh, with my class, we had to sing songs. And I saw the diseased daughter of an elderly couple and she was standing behind her parents wrapping her arms around them i'm sorry and um that was so beautiful and so different than what i first felt at the police station 
So I used that beautiful feeling when I um, went to bed every night. I, I replaced that beautiful experience with the daughter in the elderly home instead of thinking about these scary men. And that helped me a lot. And we can all do that to remember and have a sense memory of those beneficent psychic connections that we get. But we have to choose it because our minds are more likely to go over and over the scary ones. Yes. How did you get yourself to choose um, the comforting ones? Was it because you committed yourself to help others? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think so, and I just, um, it also helped me with, with thinking about beautiful experiences. Um, it kind of solved my feelings of feeling weird. Um, and my homesickness, and I was at home, but I still felt like I didn't belong here. And <clears throat> thinking about these beautiful things that happened made me feel the connection, what I call home. Um, so I knew from a very early age that I was just visiting here. And um, I found that difficult when I was younger. But I, I learned to blend in, and um, as long as I can connect with the other side to where we all come from, our, our home, um, I think that that helped me so much, tremendously. When I worked with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, it was acceptable to talk about people who were dead as though we could still communicate with them. Yes. Not like a seance, you have to like, you know, be in the dark, but that they're, that they're right there in the daylight, you know, while you're having breakfast or brushing your teeth. Yeah. And, and they adore us, they love us. There is so much help from the disease, and when you were talking, um, I think an hour ago, about your friend Marie, do I pronounce her name right? Yes, Marie. Marie, sorry. And um, you said, I, I miss her, and she said, but you know I'm around, and I can hear everything you say, and you're still wearing the crazy pants, the crazy trousers, and she's so funny. Um, so she, she immediately tried to comfort you. So I wrote that down, and I wanted to tell you that she said oh, that. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. You know, the, there's so many places that she is in my life that it's not an unusual week where I turn up a bottle with her handwriting on it or a card from her falls out of some place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I very much feel, feel, oh, feel her close, and I miss her. Yes, yes. Yes, even though she is with me, um, she's with me in a way 
where it's not very changeable and it's really easy. And there were there were times when there was friction between us, and that was uh, you know sometimes really good friction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which you don't. I, at least I don't get with the spirits. They're like no. they're here to help. Like you say, they're here to help me. Like yeah. maybe I don't like being helped, but nonetheless, they're here to help. <laughs> Always, and and I I feel so sorry when I hear someone say, "Oh, I'm so alone. I'm all alone." And I always say, if only you could see how many people are around you, uh, trying to reach you, uh, you would be amazed. Those were, in fact, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's very first words to me. She looked at me and she said, do they charge you extra on the airplane? I said, hello, what? She said, I've never seen anyone with quite so many spirit guides. (laughs) Some of us are very difficult cases. What can I say, Elizabeth? (laughs) We have to be shepherded. Yeah, they get a free ride every time. (laughs) (laughs) But... we can but do that it, too. It is, it is so true. But it's it's not easy for most people, however, to pay attention to their guides. What allowed you to pay attention? Yeah, you can. It's very easy to get in contact with your guides. It's do something that will clear your mind. Like for me, it's listening to favorite music. And because when your mind is quiet, you're in your heart energy immediately. And that's where the contact with the universe is, with your guides. So you can dance, you're in the same energy, you can meditate, you can look at clouds outside. Um, And you don't have to be in that state all the time. But like 15 minutes a day and then try to make it two times 15 minutes a day and at one point you don't want to return <laughs> to having your mind being in control you start to feeling the difference <clears throat> so you know I know people who just moved into a house. And I asked them how they felt in that house. And they said, this is such a wonderful house. There was so much love in this house. And one of the reasons I asked them was that the person who had been in the house before them told me that the house was possessed, that there were terrible things there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so my take on it has been and continues to be that really the world is as we dream it. Exactly. That's so true. So for one um, person, that house can be possessed, and for the other one, it's, it's like a warm blanket. Right. It's just what you expect and what you want. That's so true. Oh, if only we would have learned that on uh, when we were younger that that's how it works it's so true so is this is there like then 
like a bad spirit with this person who's feeling like the house has a bad spirit? Are, are they like, I don't know, what did they use? They used to talk about like possession, right? Mm-hmm. Even like good possession, I've heard, like in Africa, they talk about uh, the Orisha possessing you. Yeah. Yeah, well, you you can open the door uh, for entity possession. Like um, uh, when you're on drugs, um, things like that. You, you, some spirits, they like to be um, close to people when, when they were addicted to drugs themselves um, and they are not like in the light yet. They like to be around humans who uh, have the same addictions. But if you're just positive and you say to yourself, I'm not open to this, to, to, to being possessed. I'm not available for this. I just want to live a good, comfortable life where I'm healthy and I'm feeling good. It's, people tell me or ask me, is it that simple? I say yes. It's that simple. You just have to say what you want, how you want your life to be. But that house that was possessed, like you said, maybe that spirit went with that person who first lived there. Because I don't believe that a like a nasty spirit is very comfortable with people who are positive. Mm. There's, there's no match at all. So, as we change, we can actually change the kind of spirit guidance we get. Yes. Yes, and um, that there are like I want to say like um, different gradations of spirits, um, and and you can say I want to learn. I want to expand my awareness, I want to expand my knowledge, and I want the right spirits around me who can teach me this. Just ask. I completely agree with you. At one point I said, I need a guide who lived 30,000 years ago. Yeah. And no problem. Here he is. <laughs> sure, here she place. is, right? Yeah, yeah. And I needed to ask her some stuff about what went on 30,000 years ago. She's very forthcoming, has a lot of stories. Uh, and that, so stories is really a lot what it's about, yes? You find yeah. yourself um, both the receiver and the teller of stories. Would you have a story you want to share with us? Um, oh, a lot of stories. When you were talking to um, uh, the caller uh, who ha- who is cured from cancer. I love you. <laughs> um, I, I did, I had a lot of words on my hands and I'm so proud of my hands. And I thought, why these words on my hands? And I, one night, my guide said, kiss them goodbye. Tell them how much you love them, but it's now time to leave. 
So I did what my guide said. I kissed my wards on my hands. I had a lot of them. I said, I love you so much, but now it's time to go. And I really meant it. And within a week, they were gone. So I I really want to express to listeners how important it is to set what you want, even if um, the doctors say, oh, you can't do nothing about it, or you you have to freeze them. I didn't want to freeze them. That was so painful. I didn't want that. And I said, okay, I'm going to listen to my guides, and that's what I'll do. So that's not a story in my book, <laughs> but I just felt that I wanted to share that. That is, that is such a touching story. And again, this, to me, it's very important to keep reminding people, it's not just about having guides. Your guides are there. You don't have to, like, have the right dress or the right meditation cushion or do anything like your guides are there. It doesn't matter what's going on. Yeah. And if and if you don't like your guides, you can upgrade your guides by upgrading your life. That really does happen, too. But what's really, really important is that you pay attention and you do what they tell you yeah. to do, even though it may seem weird. Wacko. <laughs> wacko, as my friend would say. That's wacko. <laughs> You're going to do what? You're going to kiss your words and tell me, wacko. So so a lot of times I find what my guides ask me to do could be seen as kind of wacko. Well, welcome to the wacko club. (laughs) But it works. It works. You know, it's it's okay. My my conscious mind doesn't get what's going on. And, well, of course Mm -hmm. not, because it's not going on there. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, And trust that what you hear and what you feel is true. Because if you start to question, like, yeah, I'm not going to kiss my words. Get out of here. But I, but I thought, oh, I'm going to give it a try. So believe and just... just and um, I feel a lot of people are so... Because we're overwhelmed with news and... and we we live in a world in which we are told so often told what to do and what's best for us and only we know what's best for us because everyone's different and maybe broccoli is good for me but maybe not for you so that's so important to just listen to your own intuition and then the whole world will open for you when you get that free knowledge and it's just so helpful and your body will be so thankful. I always say, dear body, tell me what you need right now. And it shows me like the vegetables or, or the herbs. And I don't question it. I just go and buy it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people think, but well, that's too simple. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, too simple. I like that. Yes, it is. Yeah, it has to be Wait. difficult. But a woman who, a woman who made her living as a psychic said to me, she said, really, Susan, the only difference between me and other people is I happen to be sitting at the end of the bench where I can see out the cracks between the boards. 
Oh, yeah. Beautifully said. I thought, wow, you know, really, what a way to say it. Yeah. Right, we're all in this together. Yes, we are. And, and um, I, I love it when, during a reading, when, uh, when a guide of, of my client says, um, it, it's good for you when, you when you stop exercising so hard. Just walking 10 minutes is perfect. It's different for everybody, of course. And when they say, oh, you need a lot of um, spinach or... And it's like they believe that, but when they hear it, try to, to receive that information for themselves, they don't believe it. So um, the, the universe, your guys, they know exactly what you need right now. really comforting yeah. we don't have to guess but we do have to listen yes even yes. if it seems a little <laughs> so you had an out of the body experience during yeah. surgery true yes I um, I had a minor um, surgery and I was um, I was scared uh, to fall asleep. So the, the kind nurse, she said, is it okay for you if I hold your hand? And I said, oh, yes, please. So um, the anesthesia did its job and I fell asleep. And the next second, I felt that I was flowing um, in the air. I could sense that my body was below me. And I went really fast in the dark. And I don't like darkness, but I wasn't afraid. And I thought, wow, where am I going to? And I was talking to myself, and it surprised me that I still had the same voice and the same thoughts. I was still me. And a second later, I was standing in a very little room, like um, a sort of elevator size. And I was standing there, and... In front of me, on arm's length, two women were standing in front of me. And I could feel that they were the mother and the grandmother of the nurse who held my hand. And we didn't open our mouths. We just um, were, like, uh, communicating with our minds. And her mother talked. And I had to give several messages to her daughter. And I could feel that on, on both sides of that little room, there were like thousands and thousands of these, side, these little rooms. And it felt like, like an in-between uh, portal or something that, that humans can talk to um, diseased people in, in these little rooms. That's what I felt. And I could feel that I wasn't dead. I knew I was going back. I wasn't afraid, um, but I could feel the difference between the energy where the women came from and where, where I came from. It was so different. The earth felt grayish, and where the women came from was like colors and beauty. I could sense that. So I woke up from surgery, and, and I told the nurse what happened. 
and she was very grateful. Um, it, it shocked her a little bit, but um, it made sense to her what her mother had told her. So that was a lovely experience. It's always shocking when we see our bodies from a distance. Yes. We so are identified by them. Yes. That we come to to localize ourselves in our bodies. And that that first excursion that first sense of, oh, I am actually something more than this. Yeah. That was beautiful. And, yeah. and it was the first time and the last time, by the way, that I really felt that my body is this beautiful vehicle that I have chosen. Um, so I adore my body. It It, it works perfectly. And... It, it's but our soul is who we really are. We're ninety percent soul and ten percent body. But often we think it's the other way around. <laughs> and that's the first time. What are you laughing? <laughs> tell me, tell me. Well, it's as though to make it work, we have to, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because because there's taxes. Yeah. To you yeah. to use euphemism because yeah. there's taxes. <laughs> yes. As the baby is crying because the goat has to be milked because um because we are here and the magic yeah. of the magic of being here is that it requires our presence. Yes. Yes, and we have so much fun only, with our body too. It's the only place where we can experience emotion and emotional change. Yes. Very true. So th- this whole subject about, um, I-, I was really amazed at what you said. If you would say this in the Netherlands where I live, Oh my gosh, you would be haunted by the press. So I'm really glad you don't which, live which, here. Which particular thing that I said, would I be haunted by the press or hunted? Um, like hunted, like like they would um, make fun of you. Um, the things you said about um, the chemotherapy. Uh, so I was like, wow, she she isn't afraid to say this. So I applaud you for saying all these things. And that you are in a place where you have the freedom to say everything. Exactly. Yes. That we are in, in a place where we have the freedom mm-hmm. to actually, you know, say what, what we see where I can actually, you know, write a book, 
that says menopause is a passage to power. It's not a problem. It's not a disease. You're not, it's not the end of your life. No. No. And no. And uh, what I love is that in um, in Greece, I forgot the name. This beautiful place where, in ancient times, the women over fifty. Um, they were allowed to live there and be an oracle because the Greek knew that women over 50, they had the power. So they oh, looked at it. Beautiful. As, oh, it's Delphi. Yeah, it's Delphi. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. So um, I'm, I'm really happy you exist, and I'm like a little bit starstruck, actually. Um, well, I feel to, just the same. I'm so happy that you're... Spreading the gospel of expansion and deepening. Thank you. you yes, know, this, so. it's, this, to me, it, it's very important how we language what what we're creating, and it's very easy to recreate um, hierarchies, even in the name of not doing it. But so long as we're deepening and expanding, it's just mm-hmm. not possible to have a hierarchy so you're doing that very beautifully and very very subtly and before it gets too late please tell everybody how they can get in touch with you and maybe they want to have a reading with you tell us how that works yes um i I give readings by phone and i give um, email readings and my website is um, barbara with all a's the medium uh, one word dot com and I also have a couple of free ebooks on my site. I also give uh, a course in mediumship where I guide people personally because I think that's very important to have personal guidance so that's my website and um that's it. <laughs> Barbara the medium I have yes. a friend whose name is Lauren Lesser I have known her for a very very long time and after she sent me an envelope that burst open with all kinds of glittery stars I decided to start calling her Lauren the Greater so I'll have to see how it fits to call you the medium <laughs> since I already have a lesser and a greater oh, yeah. uh, oh, yes great. So, uh, I could talk to you and listen to you um, more to the point for, really, I know we've just begun with uh, amazing experiences that you've you've had and stories that you can tell. And so, take yourselves on over to Barbara the Medium where you will find more stories and more meditations and guidance and ways to explore the delight of being alive. What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everybody who's listening to you tonight, Barbara? I would really like if people, when they go to bed tonight, uh, say to themselves, I am healthy. I am happy. I'm content. I'm abundant. And Start to practice that every night and then see what happens. I'm energetic. I'm loved. I'm beautiful. 
all these kind of sentences. Do that and you can really uplift your life. That's what I want to share. Every night as you go to sleep. Yeah. Remind yourself you can't do it wrong. Never. Here you are. You're never alone. There's plenty of help. And if you're feeling alone and you need some help, get in touch with Barbara the Medium. You know, I think we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And I want to thank you, Barbara, for doing something very special with this weaving, which is to give it an extra dimension, not just the three dimensions, but you bring to it a whole other aspect that we can only sense into, blessed be. Thank you. And Sarah Ellen, thank you for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Green blessings, everybody. We'll be back with you next week. Bye-bye.